Hi, everybody. This is Kimberly. And this is Katie. And you're listening to A Date with Dateline. Before we get started for this very great episode, we have some announcements. Beep, 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 beep. Our episode of Santa Maybe came out finally, which was so exciting. We lent our voices. If you don't know what Santa Maybe is, Santa Maybe a criminal. Oh. Might be on datelines soon. Oh, boy. It's a satire true crime podcast, and it's super funny. Yeah. And a lot of podcasters have lent their voices to it. So make sure that you're subscribed. And also make sure you're subscribed to Pink Shade because I'm on there like eight times a week. I'm doing 90 Day Fiance, The Other Way, which is almost done, Indian matchmaking for their supercast, and Jewish matchmaking is coming up soon, and I think Katie might join Can't us wait. for some of that. I'm ready. Yeah? Super excited. And then, if you don't know, Dateline, if you're not following Dateline on social media, they do, they're, they have an ambassadorship. <laughs> they have an ambassador every week who announces the episode. It's like a fan, and by the way, if you want to be on that list, it's five years long. Their line is so long. We're not even on the list. But Charles, our beloved Charles, OG listener Charles, was the ambassador this past week. Beep, beep, and beep. he wore our merch. Beep, beep, beep. He gave us, he wore our merch, gave us a sneaky, cheeky shout out. And he did fantastic. So good. We love you, Charles. We Speaking do. Speaking of merch, we have a new shirt. Karma drives the big bus and she knows everybody's address. I'm so excited about it. Thank you. I worked on it with the Tea Public. It's great. And yeah, I think it looks pretty yeah, good. Well done. And also, Cam made a new animation. This has been like the best week ever, I swear. Oh my gosh. Two, it's like a twofer. It's two bits from different episodes that he put together in one animation. It's so good. I, At one point, I die and I become a ghost chicken, and Mank has an appearance in it. That's all I can say. If you're not following us on social media, what are you doing with your life? Yeah, get on it. If you don't know who Cam is or Charles, what's going on? I don't. What's you? This is your first episode, and welcome. Welcome to We're our show. We're glad to have you. If you skip to these announcements, you won't know any of this. So, <laughs> do people skip these announcements? Absolutely. Probably. Yeah. So, this episode that we're doing is called "Killing Time," and the original episode was called "Mean Girls," which is the origin story of a chance for Kaylee, which again is something you might not oh know. Oh my gosh! Did you not realize that? Did you not realize that until this moment? When do they say the baby's name? <laughs> yeah, maybe they don't in this episode. I don't think they say it. I think they took it out because of you. <laughs> Hold on. So we I did the original episode, which was 10 years ago, on, and it's on Peacock, and it's called Mean Girls. As if we didn't know mean girls were, teenage girls could be mean from watching Yellow Jackets. Speaking of which, we'll be back on our YouTube channel, A Date with K&K, &K, for our live after show of Yellow Jackets Sunday nights. But in this original episode, Katie had the best slash worst title ever called A Chance for Kaylee. And it went down in infamy when Cam also made that an animation. <laughs> and Ed <laughs> Edward made it a shirt. I can't. Yeah, I it's merch too. Wow, that moment was so epic. And we're now revisiting that episode. I'm embarrassed. Also, that moment is epic, not for the title, because the title is, I don't know, I don't want to give it an adjective. It is what you need it to be. It's <laughs> your reaction to that title, which makes it great, because it's... That was the first time I died and became a chicken. I think you lost control of your bladder. I think I did. Oh my gosh. Yeah. 
But this is an update episode, and it's a quite a big update episode. Now, not to shame Dateline, but occasionally they do update episodes that they call new episodes that mm-hmm. have like a very small update, and we don't usually cover those. But this was a pretty big update, I felt like. Yeah. And the original one on Peacock that we did was a 42-minute. Yes. It was a one-hour episode, and this that. is a two-hour. Mm-hmm. So I felt like there was plenty of stuff there. Katie still can't get over that this is. I, I also just can't get over it because I had a really, I couldn't really come up with a title for this episode. I was really. Well, you've already done it. And you then it I just, but now I see why. It's because I had already, it was already done predestined for me. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's been changed slightly, but I think it'll work. So this is Killing Time. It is season 31, episode 30. May 5th, 2023, and it's hosted by Arlene King Keith. Yes. By the way, still almost every week, someone says, I thought you were saying Arlene King, like the name Arlene. Come on, Arlene. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm saying our lean king. I need to enunciate better. It's not your fault. So Katie is going to take us through the first part of this recap. Okay, here we go. Keith Morrison starts off with, where's the line? beyond which redemption is not possible. Does it even exist, or does it move? Does it shift as time goes by? This story is about murder. It's also about ugly stupidity. (laughs) He did not say that. How dare you? Did he say that? (laughs) Calculating evil and maybe official absolution. Ooh. That's good, right? Ugly stupidity? Yeah. Wow, Keith, you're not pulling any punches here. Mm-hmm. I want, kind of feel like he's not talking about the people you might think he's talking about. There are some other people in this episode that I think he's judging way hardcore. <laughs> you think so? I do. I think it's somebody else is, that he's talking is about. Is it the same people that I'm judging? Okay. Uh-huh. Great. Cool. All right. So Keith opens interviewing Shaylin Cowles about the question that torments her to this day, which is, is there something that she could have? or should have done. Kimberly, do you know the answer to that question? I would feel guilty too, but no, I don't think there's anything she could have done. I don't think so either. Also, she was really young, and we have to keep that in mind for some of these people, but not all of these people. But because she's a good person, she feels guilty. Of course she does. To this day, this is a long time ago. We are in 1997 in the high desert of California outside of LA, which would be Lancaster slash Antelope Valley. Boy, oh boy, is that a interesting place in this world. We are in August, so it is burning hot for people that don't mm-hmm. live in California. August, anywhere in LA is bad. In Lancaster, it's like the pit of hell. It's like summer of Sam. Yeah, pretty much. This is where the Cowles family live, and the family owns an electric company that works out there, and they work on power plants and on the army base. We meet Mother Debbie, Father Rick Sr., Sister Shaylin, but the focus of this story is around the murder of Ricky. Ricky is working a double shift on this hot, hot day in August, and he's just trying to get home early from his job, number one, because it's hot. Number two, because he wants to see his girlfriend, Amy Priesmeyer, who he lives with. Amy is waiting for Rick 
on this particular night because she needs to have a one-on-one conversation with him. But he's going to be a little bit late because one of these double shifts that he's working is on the fairgrounds and they're waiting for the sun to go down. It basically has to be dark at night, which is like at 8 o'clock at night. So Amy is bored while she's waiting for her boyfriend, Ricky, and she asks her friend Sarah to drive her around. This sounds not fun. I would That's not want to do. But drive in around in the heat. Cruising. In the heat? May, not at night. It probably feels good at night. I go for walks at night sometimes when it's very hot here. Okay. okay. It feel the when you it's 113 during the day, 95 feels refreshing. Yeah, it feels like a nice break. Okay. So they're driving around. They go to McDonald's, I'm assuming to get frosty cones and the machine is broken. And they see 1000%. Also, yes. it's not ever broken. They're faking it because they don't want to clean it. True. No. Especially not in the heat. So they go to McDonald's. They see Shaylin, who is Ricky, her boyfriend's younger sister. And she tells Shaylin, hey, Ricky and I are having a one-on-one tonight. You know, don't come by the house if you're going to come by, which becomes important later. Not at all important right now. They drive around some more and then they go to Burger King to get... Yeah, you can mark off fast food on your bingo cards twice yeah i've never seen that before now this is the story that that's something i would do i'd be like i want the burger from here but the fries from here you know what and it, now that you're saying it it does sound like a high school thing yeah when you're driving which around. is me yeah yes it sounds like you're bored and you're just sort of driving around seeing what's going on and you just sort of go to fast food places to see or the frosty machine is broken or whatever they have it the mcflurry so then they go to another place where it's also broken Regardless, they're probably also going to look to see whose car is in the parking lot. We used to do that. We'd go to see who was where. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cruising. It's not called stalking. It's just called checking it's called when you're cruising. in high school. Basically, they're just wandering around killing time waiting for Ricky and there's not a lot to do. So a little before 10, Sarah and Amy decide to head back to Amy and Ricky's apartment to see if he's home yet from his multiple jobs. They go up to the apartment and they both have to pee at this point. I don't know why they couldn't pee at Burger King, probably because they were just cruising around the parking lot looking for other people. Would you want to use the bathroom at a Burger King? Yeah, Burger King seems fine. Okay. Yeah, Arby's, no. Burger King, yeah. Oh, interesting. There's too much meat. Any place that the tagline is, we've got the meats, don't use there. Bathroom is bad. Do not use their bathroom. I never thought about that. Because you don't eat meat. Yeah. There we go. You have no business in an Arby's. No. None. Except maybe going to the bathroom, which is why you shouldn't be doing it there. Thank you for telling me. Tips. Tips for life. So they head into the apartment. The first thing they notice is that normally the door is supposed to be locked behind who's ever in the apartment, or Ricky generally does that. But the door is unlocked. They go in. Sarah starts to go up the stairs, smells something kind of weird. Amy thinks she's being stupid and pushes past her, goes up the stairs. A few seconds later, screams, crumples to the ground because Ricky is up there in a crumpled, bloody mess on the floor. But Ricky is still alive. And now we hear the 911 call, which is a lot of, oh my gods, oh my gods. Lots of screaming specifically from Amy. Sarah is definitely the more put together of the friends, and she gets on the phone and is actually able to talk to the paramedics. And while they're waiting for the paramedics, another girl shows up named Jennifer Kellogg. So from henceforth, the three of them will be known as the blondes. The paramedics finally show up. They take Ricky downstairs. He is talking a little bit at this point, and we do get actual footage of him in the living room. I don't remember that from last time. I don't that either. That's disturbing. Is that, was that this time and not last time? I feel like I would have remembered. 
Yeah, I feel like you would have too. Not me, but definitely you. And so the paramedic says, did you shoot yourself? Who shot you? Because he has a massive head injury and he just keeps saying, my neck, my neck hurts, my neck, which is really, it's really sad. And so they sort of corral the girls into the kitchen and they tell the girls that one of them needs to call Ricky's parents. Now, that seems odd to me. I would not think that that would be the job of a 16-year-old to call parents. These are minors. I don't think the police knew that at that time because they're living at this house. She was with her live-in boyfriend. So maybe they thought she was... 18. Okay. But But I did think they still, to me, look fairly young. We're going to find out how young, how what this whole thing, this youngness is about in a second. Anyways, Sarah, the calm one, does end up calling Ricky's parents and being like, hey, something's happened. You need to get down here right now. The parents live only a few miles away. This is unbelievably traumatic. The dad insists that they fly Ricky to a hospital in Los Angeles because he does not trust the local hospital in Antelope Valley. That is my personal opinion. They do not state that (laughs) in the dateline. I just think he doesn't. I get it. It seems right. He wants him to fly to Cedar Sinai. So they get a helicopter. Ricky's airlifted into Los Angeles. Rick Sr. flies with Rick Jr. It's incredibly sad. He goes through two surgeries in the hospital to try to help him. But he has been shot through the forehead. And he has also been bashed by some object over the head multiple times. It's a very, very sad scene. It's not looking good for Ricky in the hospital. The whole family's there and Amy is there as well. It's very dire. And while this dire situation is going on, we're going to get the backstory of Ricky, his family, and high school life in Lancaster. We're also going to get to know the blondes a little bit, who are Amy, girlfriend of Ricky, Sarah, and Jennifer Kellogg. So first up, we get Sarah, who is our main interview with Keith, and she gets some beauty pageant footage from her heydays. And I remember this from last time. Yes. Keith says, so you were pretty popular in high school. And she says, I wasn't really popular. I mean, not really. But you know, I was a cheerleader. (laughs) And I remember both of us being like, okay, so one equals the other. And Keith. Yeah, I think you could say you were popular. Exactly agrees with that. So Sarah describes Amy, Ricky's girlfriend, as innocent and fun at first, got her into church. She was fun and goofy. But Jennifer Kellogg, the third blonde, was the friend that the parents were worried about. She was 17 at the time that Amy and Sarah are 16, and she's into harder partying, which gets very hard. Also, Jennifer was on dance team. I have a friend who was also on dance team in high school. And Kimberly, known back then as Kim, were you a (laughs) wild child slash would we consider you a hard girl or a partier or the scary friend? Yeah, all of the above. Great. I wasn't doing jigsaw puzzles and watching 90210 to an obscene amount that made my parents worried about my mental health. No. You were selling pills from your parents' medicine cabinet? So just after New Year's Eve in 1997, the blondes, specifically Amy, has a party when her parents go out of town. And this is when her and Ricky meet for the first time. Ricky is brother to Shaylin, who is these girls' age. And at the time, he is not in high school at the time of this party. He is 20 years old. All of these girls, for the most part, are 16. 
Ricky and Amy meet at this party and basically they are together from that point on. They never stop being together from the night of this party. I can't. I know. Ricky is the cool older boyfriend. He takes her to prom. He's the illegal older boyfriend. And also illegal older boyfriend. He takes her to prom. He takes her apparently on trips, which I just a giant question mark by. Where are the parents? Where are they going? We see Goofy, so I think they're at Disneyland. Why are the parents okay with this? Do you mean a day trip? Because if you mean a day trip, you need to say a day trip. Are they crossing state lines? Good question. Keith is not okay with any of this, by the way. No, Keith has some judgment coming. He's not happy. And Keith is from a different generation when, like, what's-his-face married his 13-year-old cousin, the musician, you know. Roman Polanski? Woody Woody Allen. Which one are you talking about? (laughs) Who are you talking about? Neither of those are musicians, but... Well, I thought maybe you got musician wrong and you meant director. (laughs) Oh. Who married a 13-year-old cousin? What kind of music? Americana. Also, Elvis was dating Priscilla when she was, I think, underage as well. Oh, boy. Okay. Jerry Lee Lewis. Oh, there we go. Okay, yes, I knew that. He married his 13-year-old cousin. All right. But also, he is the cool older boyfriend for sure because he not only apparently takes them on or takes Amy on trips, but he takes all of her friends to the mall and buys them stuff. Yeah, that's not. No, that's cool for a high schooler. I don't know. But if they went in Victoria's Secret, I'm already upset. Buy whatever you want. He was the Michael Scott. (laughs) But he's got a lot of money because he still lives at home. But he works for this electric company that his dad owns. He's doing okay. He has a dangerous job. He's up on those poles. Those people make a lot of money. So he's able to buy her a lot of gifts at the mall. But Ricky's parents, rightfully so, are not really into this relationship. This doesn't feel good to them. She's too young. Debbie even says at one point, look, she could charge you with statutory rape, which is 100% correct. I'm not sure why this isn't talked about more. Why isn't this talked about more? I think it was in the first episode. I hope so. And I know we were upset. Because 20 and 16, look, this isn't a huge age gap number wise, but in the sense of what it means, it definitely is a big age gap. Yeah. It's big. So Debbie and Rick Sr. are really trying to get this relationship to slow down a little bit, and they even go so far as to call Amy's parents. Debbie calls Amy's mom, Georgia, and realizes that, as Keith puts it, they have two different parenting styles. (laughs) Because Georgia and Larry, who are Amy's parents, seem to just be letting her do whatever she wants. But as Georgia explains to Keith, they have a very good reason for this different perspective, which is Georgia was 17 when she met Larry, who was 24. So it's fine for us. You do it, too. Isn't this the opposite of what parents do? I feel like parents are normally no, like, you're supposed to I got pregnant cycle. at 15, so I don't yeah. want the same for you. Yeah. No, that's not what's <laughs> happening here. And oh, by the way, they're still together. Also, things we thought were okay, aka Jerry Lee Lewis, we know are not okay now. Did anyone ever think that was okay? No, no, I don't think I don't so. think really they I thought mean, that. I mean, he still made music. I don't know if he, I don't think he was arrested or anything. Also, Georgia and Larry, Amy's parents, can't really control Amy. And so they think, in their opinion, Ricky is good 
for Amy because Amy might be taking a little bit of a wild turn. So they think that this might be the best thing to kind of keep Amy a little more settled and not going off the deep end. But basically the baseline here is we can't control our teenage child. Right. Is what's happening. So we're hoping this older child can do it. So we're hoping for the best with this dude. Anyways, Ricky's parents, in a desperate attempt, try to make these rules because Ricky is still living at their house in some little back house on the property. And they're like, well, Amy can never come over. They try to make it so that it's hard for him to see her. That doesn't work at all because all Ricky does is just move out, gets his own apartment because he can afford it. And Amy decides after a few weeks, she's just going to move in there with Ricky. Now, her parents really don't want her to, or they tell Keith they really didn't want her to, but Amy just does whatever she wants. Call the police. (laughs) Scared straight? I will scare you straight. She can't legally do... You can call the police. What? It's hot. You can make her do what you want her to do. It takes a long time to divorce from your parents. So until she has those legal funds or whatever, it, she's under your roof. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm getting the impression that Amy is the kind of child that it will be like, I will break all contact with you. I won't speak to you again if you Bye. don't allow me to Bye. do this. Yeah, but they're not going to go with that. Parents don't go with that. She has to stay with you. Apparently not. Okay. I know. I'm sorry. I don't understand. I don't either. I remember this being very confusing and upsetting last time. Yeah, this was a banana situation. So not only does she move in with her boyfriend, Ricky, her two best friends, Sarah and Jennifer, the blondes, decide, well, we don't really want to live with our parents either. And they decide to move into the apartment for the summer. Just a summer of fun. Where are their parents? I don't know. I don't Why know. Why are these parents so permissive? It's hot. It's the only thing I can... Also, again, I think I spoke about this last time that Lancaster is like the Wild West. Uh, I saw multiple tumbleweeds. Yeah. Actual ones, big ones that would mess up your car. I just don't know which came first, the chicken or the egg. Is it the parents, the parental stylings, or the children or being the, wild? the town. Or the town is it go back further than the chicken and the egg? Is it might be like a castle, a castle rock situation where there's something wrong there in the water. Mm-hmm. Okay, so all of them now are living in this. All these high school girls are living in this house with Ricky together, which apparently is fully legal. It's not. It's not. But- Get him arrested for statutory rape. The girls will have to leave. You're right. There are three sets of parents which are doing nothing about this. It's fine. I don't think I we- understand what you're saying. They don't want to they don't want to lose their daughter forever. I get that. It's a hard choice to make. But you know this is not good for someone and someone could get pregnant or something bad could happen to them in a house with no adults. You think? Yeah. But I'm not a child. I'm not a parent. I think I said that last time too. I think Disclaimer, we both have I'm not to. A parent. We have to blanket statement now that both of us are not human parents. Not parents. Not parents. I don't of know a human. what it's like. Yeah, and I'm sure there are some amazing parents out there with wild children. But to it seems like these parents are just kind of okay with it. I don't know if I would have gone on Dateline, and I think we probably said that last time too. I wouldn't have Again, for sure. Yeah, this I is, don't want Keith Morrison to judge my parental stylings. That's not great. So this is a full party house, and Jennifer, the wild child, the wildest of wild childs in the bunch, is into some very serious stuff. 
Sarah tells Keith that she was dealing weed, not tumbleweed, weed, and or helping someone deal weed. I'm not quite sure what that entails, but sure. But it's not just that. Jennifer is on meth. And that is pretty serious because I feel like usually if one person is and they're staying in a house, then multiple people in the house are trying it, using it. That's not normal for one person. Mm -hmm. And also remember, again, these girls are 16. Yeah. Jennifer 17, but still teenagers. So Ricky eventually gets really, really sick of this. He kicks the girls out. Sarah, who is the, quote, better one, I guess, he comes to her later and says, hey, you know, it's really, really, it's really Jennifer I want out. I'm not mad at you. And Sarah makes sure to tell us this. So I would probably do the same thing. I get it. I would too. Yeah. But he needs to kick these girls out, rightfully so. It's his apartment. He doesn't want it to be all party all the time. And I feel like also if the cops come and arrest somebody for drugs, they're going to figure out how old everyone is living in that apartment. But there is also probably an even more important reason for Ricky to get... <laughs> these girls out of his house. And that's because something very big is happening. So during the summer of 1997, when the party house is in full hop, Ricky comes to Debbie and says, you know, I have something to tell you. Instead of cooling things off with Amy like you really want, we're going to go ahead and ramp things up. Because guess what? Tell us, Kimber. She's preggers. You better believe it. So at the tender age of 16, Amy is about to be a mom. Now, a lot of us have moms or mother figures in our life. And with Mother's Day fast approaching, I cannot think of a better gift for a mommy-to-be or a mom that is now or a mother figure that you have than Aura Frames, right? I can think of one better present, which is to not get pregnant at 16. I can think of one better present, which is not to move into a party house with three of your friends at 16. Yeah. Thanks. But other than that, it's almost Mother's Day. If your mother figure in your life is like Joni, she isn't so tech savvy. Every time I go home, I end up spending at least half my time fixing her phone. It's somehow always broken. I don't know why. Yeah, it happens. I have the same phone. It's not broken. I have the best idea for the non-tech savvy but great memory-loving special gift loving mother figure in your life and that is aura frames it is named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter, the strategist and selected as one of oprah's favorite things oh. and find me a mom that doesn't love oprah you can't i dare you you cannot those lists are important that's a big one you uh -huh. know it's good you can even preload the frame with personalized messages and meaningful memories that will appear as soon as your mom plugs in her frame by the way, you plug it in. It takes like two minutes to set up. Yeah. So easy. So easy. And what it is, is it's a digital frame, but anyone that has the app and access to that frame can send that frame as many photos and videos as they want. Unlimited free storage. So when my aunt goes on one of her lavish vacays and I'm stuck watching her dogs, she can send pictures of her in front of the Eiffel Tower. Yes. A million of them. And we can all just sit around the frame and just watch them appear and be very jealous. And be like, wow, and wish we were there. Wish we were there. And when my brother and his wife take kissing photos that they seem to and love to send my parents, and it's really weird, they can send those to my parents' frame. And my parents can be like, because you can heart an emoji back that you like the photo. I think it's weird, but they really enjoy watching my brother kiss his wife. And then when I am creating great memories for myself, like when I watch Bob's Burgers, I can videotape myself. Like falling into the Mississippi River, which has been documented in picture form, thanks to me. It didn't make it in picture form. 
I have pictures of it. You do? I have pictures of the aftermath. Oh, okay. In the, the immediate aftermath, because I didn't want to forget it. <laughs> you can send those photos and videos to my parents' frame. It's totally private. You have total control over who has access to the frame. And the Aura app lets you share photos more securely than with email. Love it. So that means that I can send photos to my parents' frame of my dad in compromising positions with Ralphie, their dog, and no one will ever see those photos but the people who have access to that frame. And lastly, this frame is magical. It detects faces and can prop. It adjusts the light based on the light in the room. And at night, it turns off automatically to save energy. It's just the best. That's why Oprah picked it. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com. That's A-U-R-A frames.com use code date dateline to get up to $30 off plus free shipping on their best selling frames this deal ends on may 14th so don't wait terms and conditions apply thank you aura we're so excited thank you aura i'm aura about it thank you my aura is grateful oh true let's talk about the blondes no scratch that let's just talk about blondes Blonde hair, the upkeep, what it has taken for me to remain platinum and then platinum turned pink for multiple years. It's a lot and it's taxing on your hair, Mm -hmm. but I have found it savior. And once you try pros, you too will be singing the praises of pros and their truly custom made to order hair care. Switching to a custom routine from pros was one of the best things I have ever done for my hair. And the results that I see just keep getting better and better. I use a custom formulated shampoo and conditioner combo with a pre-shampoo mask and hair oil. And when I use all four of them together, I have some of the best hair days I've ever had in my life. That pre-shampoo mask is a thing of joy and amazement. And while it seems like a double conditioning process might weigh your hair down, no ma'am, no sir. This is why I trust the pros at pros. All it does is make my hair shinier, softer, and did I mention the smell? Because you get to customize your scent as well through pros. Tell me a shampoo that lets you do that. Pros. Pros. Customize. Pros knows that there's more to you than just your hair type, hair color. Pros has given over 1 million consultations with their in depth hair quiz, which is how I got started. The questions are very specific, like zip code, eating habits, damage level, how much do you exercise? Everything affects your hair way more than you think it does. And the pros at Pros know how to take all of that into consideration. By analyzing over 85 personal factors, Pros handpicks clean, sustainably sourced ingredients that get you closer to your hair goals with every single wash, condition, pre-wash treatment mask. My favorite feature is Pros' review and refine tool, which lets me tweak my formulas for any reason, in case I change up my address, check, my hair color, check, check, or even my diet, check. Goodbye, <laughs> cholesterol. As a carbon-neutral certified B Corp, Pros is an industry leader in clean and responsible beauty. All of their ingredients are sustainably sourced, ethically gathered, and cruelty-free. Yes! They're also the first custom beauty brand to go completely carbon neutral. If you're not 100% positive Pros is the best hair care you've had, they will also take the products back. No questions asked. So what are you waiting for? Custom made-to-order hair care from Pros has your name all over it. 
Take your free in-depth hair consultation today and get 15% off your first order. Go to pros.com slash date dateline. That's P-R-O-S-E slash date dateline for your free in-depth hair consultation and 15% off. Trust the pros at pros this summer to give you the best hair days and strike a pros with pros, 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 pros. Thank you so much, pros. Okay, back to Pregger's Amy. Amy is Pregger's. And nobody's happy about it. Not because she's 16. Maybe because she's 16. Uh, I don't even think Amy's that happy about it, to be honest. I think Amy's fine with it. I don't think she's stoked. I don't think she understands what's about to happen. I wouldn't be surprised if she did it on purpose. I doubt it. If you ever watched Teen Mom? Mm-hmm. I don't think she was doing it. Do you think she was doing it to get on Teen Mom? I've watched people try to get on Teen Mom. No, I think she was to either... No. I think so. A lot of girls do that. Pregnancy packs and weird things like that. But Amy's mom, Georgia, says, you know, I was shocked by this. I taught my kid, my kids about contraception. I also taught them that the only real way is abstinence. Abstinence until marriage. Your daughter lives <laughs> with her boyfriend in an Who apartment. 20, almost 21. In an apartment by themselves. Yeah. Who's that you're preaching at? Who is abstinence? Because <laughs> that's not a thing. I feel yeah. bad for Georgia because I think she's just saying this for Dateline and it doesn't fly. Did you get her on birth control? Did you teach her how to take her pills? She said this yes. All- she said yes. They taught them the importance of contraception, but maybe that just meant make sure to use a condom. Right, exactly. Mm. And she said it once. Also, it seems like they had just no control over her. So, yeah. Sarah, the friend, of course, is concerned because Amy is a party girl and she lives at the party house. It's not a great Mm -hmm. situation. Also, remember, 16. But there is one... remember, meth. Oh, yeah, meth at the house. Mm -hmm. Questions. But there is one person who's really excited about the baby, and that is Ricky. Ricky is ready to be a dad. Sarah tells Keith that he did a lot of partying in his earlier years, but he's really done now. And I get it. Ricky kind of has a grown-up job. I think he's probably going to take over his dad's business at some point. Honestly, Ricky is kind of a catch. He is, except that he dates 16-year-olds. Except that he's really in love with this 16-year-old, which is bad. But he's ready for this responsibility with the baby. But according to Debbie, his mom, Ricky had told her, look, I really want this baby. But I don't know if I'm ready, if I want to actually be in a relationship with Amy. I don't know if I want to be with Amy as her boyfriend anymore. We can be parents, but not together. Good decision. So in mid-August, Ricky's family decides to go to Lake Havasu, where they have a boat. And Ricky invites Amy on this trip, but she makes a very odd excuse, like she can't be jostled that much. At which point I said, well, how pregnant is she in August? It feels weird. That's not a normal excuse. She doesn't want to go. She wants to just hang out at Ricky's apartment because, of course, there's a party. She invites her old boyfriend from Covina over. Sorry, Covina is another town in Los Angeles and doesn't tell the old boyfriend, oh, by the way, I'm pregnant. Also, by the way, this is my fiance's apartment. Cool. Bad girl Jennifer comes, brings drugs, brings a guy dealing drugs and gives out acid like candy, Keith tells us. Great. Even Shaylin, Ricky's sister, who doesn't go on the boat trip, shows up at the apartment. Also, I don't understand why Shaylin didn't tell Ricky, hey, Amy's ex-boyfriend came, 
And they were all doing acid. At your house. At your apartment, which you paid the security deposit for. Yeah. Great. I'd really love to hear more about this party, but we don't have time. Regardless, after this wild weekend in Lancaster and after a really fun weekend, according to Ricky's mom on the boat in Havasu, Amy decides that she actually really does want to make it work with Ricky. And Ricky decides the same, that he also really wants to make it work with Amy because Ricky is very into this baby and is like, we need to take this seriously for the baby we need to have some alone time together to try to work on our relationship, which, remember that? Alone time? Yeah, this leads us to the night when Ricky's working double shifts and Amy comes home to the apartment to have their alone time and finds him in a crumpled, bloody mess. Oh boy. So now we're back in our current time. Ricky has been found. He's been transported to the hospital. He falls into a coma and the parents decide to take him off life support because it doesn't look like he's going to recover. And it's really sad. And Debbie, Ricky's mom, says that she wouldn't let anybody in the room to see him when he's in this state except family up until a certain point when it becomes clear that he's not going to recover. And she lets Amy in to say goodbye. Amy insists on going in and is really upset. And But at, while she's at his bedside, People are saying their last goodbyes to Ricky. She says, why did you have to die? You were going to buy me a car for my birthday. Cool. So Amy's a gem. Georgia, what do you got to say about that? She didn't say it. She, yeah, she didn't Debbie's say it. Lying. That's what Georgia would say. Debbie's yeah. lying. Yeah, Debbie's lying. This yeah. also seems like a stream of consciousness thing where she probably said a lot of stuff. Right, right. Keith looks horrified. Because it's horrific. That's a horrible thing. So now this is clearly a murder investigation. We get some crime scene footage of them looking for evidence, but there is no really DNA or fingerprints, of which that seems shocking to me because a lot of people had been in and out of the house recently. But I don't know what exactly they're looking for. The one thing that they have is this shell casing from a bullet. But there's nothing apparently that can lead them directly to a murderer, which I get. If they have too many fingerprints, what are they going to do? Yeah. So now we meet Detective Larry Brandenburg, now retired, who is very well acquainted with the case and desperately trying to get a lead. But his best bet is going to be the high school where everybody is gossiping and pointing fingers. And the biggest person they're talking about is Jennifer Kellogg's brother, who is a felon, who if you want to hear more about him, you can listen to the Dateline podcast that Keith does, The Girl in the Blue Mustang. Yes. Back to the blondes. The trio, Sarah, yeah, yes. That's crazy. Sarah, Amy, and Jennifer, their friendships are starting to fracture, which I feel like is a big red flag. So-and-so's not talking to so-and-so, so-and-so's not talking to so-and-so, they're not getting along. So at this point, Debbie, Ricky's mom, decides to call Amy because Debbie wants this professional portrait that was taken of Ricky, and I guess Amy had it blown up really big. And so she goes to meet with Amy and Georgia, Amy's mom, And besides getting the picture from Amy, Debbie kind of puts her foot in it and is like, so what are you going to do about the baby? You going to keep it? (laughs) It's not the right time, Debbie. I think it's exactly the right time. Right. But of course, Georgia. But I don't have a lot of text. Georgia, Amy's mom, freaks out and is like, how dare you? What do you mean she's not going to keep it? It's a whole thing. And so that's the last time that Debbie is really talking to either of these two people. There's not any contact. Amy even has the baby and they don't call. They don't call Ricky's parents. 
wrong. It's so horrible. It's their first grandchild. They're not even contacted. So this was a little weird tidbit that we get that I didn't remember from the episode that Amy is apparently acting very scared about a murderer on the loose because Ricky was killed. She's so scared, in fact, that her dad blocks the door of the room where she's giving birth. Do you remember that? That's wild. No, I'm rolling my eyes. Why? She wasn't scared. Yeah, probably not. Well, in the meantime, Ricky's parents are devastated. They can't see the grandbaby, but they're not giving up on justice for Ricky. They have billboards made. They have all these flyers printed out, and they do these flyer handouts around town saying that there's a reward for any information for Ricky's murder. Shaylin, the sister, happens to stop by Georgia and Larry's house where Amy now lives with her parents. I don't think that that was an accident, but it was very smart of Shaylin, Ricky's sister, to go by there. And the family actually invites Shaylin in to meet the baby. And this was the icebreaker. This is it. Debbie is invited to come and meet the baby. So now they're able to meet and spend time with their first grandchild, which is very sweet. But stuff is about to get messy. There is something very wrong with Amy's and her family that this wasn't done sooner. Just because the mom said that thing about keeping the baby that you cannot. That's just it feels like they were looking for a reason. Yeah, that's to get her out of the picture. But why? No one's accusing Amy of anything at that point. What are you doing? So the family's doing great. Great. One big, happy, extended family. However, murder investigation's not going great. They're not getting anything done until eight months after his murder. By chance, the cops arrest a young criminal for a burglary. And he says, oh, I have information about that guy Ricky's murder. So the cops get a name. And this b- boy's name is Billy Hoffman. I say he's a boy because he's 19 years old. He lives right down the street from Ricky's apartment. And apparently, he's been bragging all over town. This I remembered from last time. There's a woman that he- Billy Hoffman carpools with to Kmart. And he tells her about the murder one day on his way to work. She, while working at Kmart doing what she was doing, thinks about it. And then on the carpool on the way home, she says, did you really kill that guy? And he says, oh, yeah, and I've got proof. And then pulls out a bloody hammer. Why this woman didn't go straight to the police, we'll never know. Young and dumb. Just this whole episode could be called Young and Dumb. Also, I'm picturing maybe one of our listeners playing bingo and they could win, but they have Walmart and it's Kmart. And they're like screaming up at the sky. I'm going to say Kmart. I'm going to say Walmart. You couldn't hear <laughs> yeah. what I said? Great. No, it sounded, yeah, good. Walmart. Mart. I heard Mart. Mart. Yeah. Okay, great. So the cops call Billy Hoffman in. He denies everything, of course. We see a picture of Billy Hoffman at this point, and he's wearing a shirt that says Roland Hard. Cool. So he'd been blabbing to anybody <laughs> that could listen. He says, Roland Hard, balls deep. It's right in, it's right there. It's in that same family. It's the same family. So he thinks this murder is going to give him street cred, that he's hard, he's tough, he's got this little drug dealing business, and he thinks, oh yeah, this is going to make me a tough guy. He's going to be a hardcore killer. Meanwhile, Shaylin actually identifies Billy Hoffman as being in Ricky's apartment. The cops call Shaylin, and she, they give her the name. She looks in her yearbook and is like, oh yeah, I've seen him. I've seen him at the apartment. And then we find out that Billy is good friends with Jennifer. We see a picture of her and Billy smoking a huge bong together. And the picture had been taken just a few months before the murder. So we have Shaylin confirming that he was at the 
he was at the apartment when the whole family was in Lake Havasu. And we have him connected to Jennifer, who we know was in the apartment, one of the blondes, all the time. Also, Jennifer, at this point, we find out, liked to also pretend like she was a tough guy. And she was real hard and thought of herself as someone who could get things done around town. You needed someone taken care of. She could get someone to handle that for you. Hashtag thug life. Hashtag hardcore honey. Hashtag blonde in California. Hashtag thug life. blonde ambition. But the Cowles quickly start piecing together that what may have happened here with all of these weird connections with Billy may not just have been Billy coming in and shooting Ricky. There might be more to it. Shaylin remembers that the night that Billy is killed, when Amy and Sarah stopped by the McDonald's where she worked, Amy said, hey, don't stop by tonight. You know, we're going to have our alone time. Then Rick Sr., Ricky's dad, remembers how often Amy had called when he was at work that day and said, you know, be sure to be home by nine, Ricky. Got to be home at nine. Okay. And then Debbie, Ricky's mom, remembers that Ricky had been pestering her, hey, Amy really wants me to get a life insurance policy. And Debbie had told him, oh, yeah, when the baby's here, yeah, you definitely need to do that. But he's like, no, Amy really wants it now. And Debbie was like, well, just tell her you got it. I love Debbie. That was great. Yeah. Just lie to her. Just lie Fine. to this stupid 16-year-old. Yes. Yeah. So this is all really suspicious. Debbie doesn't watch enough Dateline, too, because the second I heard life insurance, I would have been like, yeah. yeah. What? It's all really suspicious, but the cops don't really care. They're not going to do anything about it because they've got Billy, who's been confessing all over town. So Billy goes on trial. Witnesses put the gun and the hammer in his hand, plus all of these people testify that he told he actually committed the murder. Jennifer, the hard hardened party girl herself, testifies. Amy testifies and gives weird lies. She says that her and Jennifer, number one, weren't really friends. Shailene, Ricky's <laughs> sister, is the one okay. that's... There's like 80,000 B-roll photos of them together to prove So many. And they're all wearing Max Spice lip liner, which was huge <laughs> in the 90s. All of them in brown lip liner. Every single picture. Amy on the stand says that Jennifer and Shailene, Ricky's sister, were tight. Those were the two that were tight. Okay. Amy also says Billy was never in Ricky's apartment. Cool. Shailene already said, I mean, we know Billy was there. It's fine. It's a lot of bizarre lies. And Debbie's no fool. Debbie's going to pick up on this. Yeah. Billy goes on the stand. He says he's being framed. He was never there. Jury doesn't buy it. They give him the verdict in four hours. Now, during this four hours, Debbie and Rick Sr., I guess they had left the courtroom because they thought the verdict would take, lo take longer. But unfortunately, it's really quick. But they have Ricky's baby with them that weekend. So they rush back to the courtroom for the verdict, which is guilty, by the way life in prison. And as they're at the courthouse with the baby, Amy is like, this is the last straw. No more baby for you. You can't see the baby anymore. She's horrified that they brought the baby to the courthouse for the verdict. This is a baby. It's a wee you infant. You were pregnant at meth parties with that baby. Yeah, that, <laughs> that baby does not know what's going on. So she cuts Debbie off. Debbie and Rick Sr. cannot see their grandchild anymore. That was another excuse she was looking for. Oh, to totally. Totally. And Debbie basically threatens Amy and says, you know, this is fine. It just gives me more time to figure out exactly who else was involved in killing my son. It's pretty good. But she <laughs> yeah. doesn't have a lot of proof. And as the years go by, nothing happens. But then in 2002, Debbie receives a letter. And as Keith says, a letter that would change everything. 
and it so changes things that Katie's voice turned into Kimberly's voice. Hey! Because everything changed. So Billy is in prison for a few years when he writes a letter to Ricky's parents, a confession for his part in the murder in lovely cursive, if I do say so myself. Is that the real letter? I think so, yeah. No. It was nice cursive, right? Really nice. Yeah. He's working on penmanship. Wannabe thug. Yeah. So they take the letter to the DA, and Keith calls it manna from heaven, which is, I want to say, the eighth time we've heard that line. He loves that line. I thought it was from this. Is this the original? This is not the original. I feel like we've heard it in other episodes, but maybe this is the original, and this is the only time we've heard it. Let us know. It can't be. We need a spreadsheet. Okay, yeah. So how many times he said this? That's what we need a spreadsheet. We need all. I'm the, guessing five. The good, I want to know that. I want to know how many times they use the, they've used the Tolstoy quote. Um, Forty-five. So this spurs. They take this letter to the detectives. It spurs them to rework the case. They go to the prison and talk to Billy. And in a first, which did not happen in the episode Mean Girls, Billy is on Dateline, and he's a full-on grown-up now. But he was 21 when he was sent away for the murder. He got LWAP, life without parole, which Keith says they that's what they call it, LWAP. I felt embarrassed because we have covered literally hundreds of datelines. I have never heard it called that. I'm not as embarrassed now because you didn't know it either. I've never heard him say that Great. ever. I would remember Keith saying LWAP. Is that an Antelope Valley thing? He says they call it, like, everyone calls it that. Maybe if cops can reach out, lawyers can, do they call it that? It's too cheery sounding. It sounds to me like a dance you do in the 1950s. Like, the jitterbug, the, the twist, the L-wop. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Don't sit under the apple tree. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, L-wop. Uh-huh. Yeah. So Billy goes on Dateline, and he cries and he says what i did was unforgivable and he can't really forgive himself but he decides he can focus on himself the one thing you can change in prison is yourself i thought that was very interesting that is what people in the holocaust did true story um, can i ask you a question not about the holocaust yeah were you surprised that billy looks so different he looks so different from so different. the roland hard t-shirt picture we see of him it's really shocking and it really does hit home the whole debate we're going to have at the end about like teenagers and adults and how different they are. We're not debating it. He looks totally different. Yeah. He looks like a like just a dude, like a middle-aged dude right now, like a dad or something. He looks like and, someone that works in a cubicle. Yeah, it's kind of shocking. Yeah. So he met a chaplain in prison and he learned that he is precious child of God and he could, you know, seek forgiveness and all of that. So he wrote this letter to Ricky's parents and he tried to understand why he did it. He doesn't really know why he did it other than the fact he was 19. He was very insecure and he was trying to sound cool. He was hanging out with this party crowd. They were doing drugs and he thought if he could become a tough guy, like the kind in rap music songs, he would be cool. And when the way they discussed killing someone in his group was not, oh, my God, that's a horrible thing. It was like, that made you tough. Everyone would look up to you if you had done something like that. And he had before never done anything violent. He was kind of a, not a nerdy guy, but he just really wanted to be cool. He really wanted to fit in. So then Jennifer came to him, Jennifer Kellogg, 
bad girl with this terrible and exciting request. Would you kill someone? And he just said, yes. He said, I didn't really understand the consequences. I just did it. And Jennifer and Amy wanted him to kill Ricky. He doesn't know why. Keith says, didn't you ask why? <laughs> and didn't you think to ask? And Ricky says, I didn't. It didn't come up. He we, feels we, we bad about that, though. He does he say, does. I feel like I, you kind of can see it in your head, can't you? Like, I, no, I but see this conversation. And I'm like, I yeah, you didn't 100% ask. I can 100% see this conversation. You're smoking pot and you're, you want to sound cool and you don't ask why. Well, you're, you're smoking like, meth. Yeah. Meth. And you're all amped up. Sure. Yeah. You don't need a reason. You've been looking for something to make you fit in with this group. And I'm not making excuses for killing someone. Neither of us are. But you can kind of see it happening. No, you can see it happening. It's no excuse for it. It's just Billy was the one. It would have been another dude that was just like this. And it is something that you can see in your head where it's like, boy, was that the wrong sliding door. Was that the yes. wrong moment, the decision to make on that day? Yeah, absolutely. Also, I feel like if he had said no, Jennifer and Amy would have kicked him out of the cool kids group. They would have. And he would have been mean girled out. And yes. I'm sure he was a little scared of these girls. I'm a little scared of them. <laughs> like, yeah. And you're a teenager. You're peer pressure and all of that. It sounds so ridiculous to make excuses for murder. We're not. But you can see it happen. You can see how this happened. It doesn't make it okay that it happened. Right. Yeah. So now he felt like he had this purpose. He was going to do this really big, cool thing. They give him a photo of Ricky. They show him a layout of the apartment. They show him where he should hide. They said, he'll fight back, so be prepared. So he brought not just the gun, but he brought a hammer and a knife. He was nervous. He was waiting there. I think this is where the the double meaning of killing time, the title of the episode, it was killing time, but he was also killing time because he was waiting there. I think that might be it. I didn't get that. That's good, Kimberly. Thank you. So he's like nervous. Ricky's not coming because Ricky was so late, which was why Amy was freaking out and kept saying, you're going to be home, right? You're going to be home. So he decides to leave, but not because he was having a moral crisis. He tells Keith, I wish it was because I was having a moral crisis. Mm. I was just, he wasn't coming. So he gets out onto the street. He's like leaving. And then Amy and Jennifer pull up and said, get back in there. He's almost home. So he goes right back in. He was so close to getting out. This whole thing could have gone so differently. So Ricky comes home. Billy hits him with a hammer. Then he shoots him. And he says to Keith, I'm so sorry to say this, but I was worried I hadn't killed him. And the gun was so loud. So I hit him with the hammer. And he walked home. He didn't even run home. He just walked home. He sent a code to Jennifer's pager to say that he did it. The pagers, they talked about that in Mean Girls, right? Because I remember us talk. was this the episode that we were talking about pagers on? Probably, yeah. See, Some Jennifer sort of was thinking she was super hard because pagers were like a drug dealer thing, right? It was, according to the real world season one, Julie. Remember, she asked Kevin, do you sell drugs? Why do you have a pager? And that was like the moment that changed America and race relations. Um, I so don't remember that. So that makes sense. Um, I also seem to remember dating someone with a pager and thinking they were a drug dealer, but I wouldn't know how to, what would I base that on? Yeah, I don't know. I think that was just a stereotype of the time. It wasn't true. A lot of people had pagers. Doctors. Yeah, why didn't I think he was a, all right, go ahead. So 
All of Billy's bragging gets him arrested. The cops swarm him to arrest him, and he remembers being excited. All of this is for me. And if that doesn't show you what his frame of mind was, his emotional maturity at that time, then nothing does. Keith is just baffled by this. Yeah. And Keith says, hard to understand? Of course it is. Yeah. And Billy says, there's no rationale. It's just how I perceived things. I wish I could go back with the mind that I have now. Yeah. And I would do things totally differently. So police need more than Billy's word to arrest Jennifer or Amy. In the meantime, Amy gets engaged to a guy who is in danger, girl. He (laughs) is still, okay, he's fine. Jennifer was being Jennifer, as Keith says. She did not become a choir girl. Was that shade. Yes. They keep showing this photo of her with her tongue out to show she's a bad girl. And a styrofoam cup, as if we didn't already know that she was bad. Styrofoam, bad for the environment. That is true. What's something that's good for the environment? Lomi. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Speaking of things that are bad for the environment, trash. There's a couple of people in this episode that are garbage people, and I would like to take them out. But everyone knows I hate taking out the trash because it smells so bad. Yeah. We all know when we have stinky liquid trash juice and it leaks. Stop it. Into your trash can. You know when you go out of town for a summer vacay and you forget that you have food in your trash can? No. I go to my parents' house for the minute sometimes and there's nothing like Chinese food in the trash that's been sitting there for a week and a half because you left to go to your parents' house because my mom broke her phone and she needed help. That's unacceptable. It's ungodly. It's pure evil. Yeah, that's not right. What is in your trash. But now I have Lomi. It's completely changed my relationship with trash and food waste and dare I say my life because I'm a composter now. Lomi is a countertop electric composter that turns food scraps to dirt in under four hours. When you cook, you throw the scraps in there. When you order takeout, you throw the soggy stuff that you're not going to eat in there. Stop it. When you are trying to eat the rainbow for your health, but after two weeks, the yellow through purple of the rainbow is still in the vegetable drawer going all gross. Throw that in there. Instead of stinking up your fridge and your trash, you put it in the Lomi. After a few hours, there is no smell, by the way, so quiet, you get this nutrient-rich dirt that you can feed to your plants, lawn, or your garden. It's not going to landfills and producing methane. I'm a methane superhero, basically. Food waste makes up a huge portion of our personal carbon footprint. Mine is much lower now because of Lomi, and I'm so proud to be doing my part for the environment. Get on the Lomi train. Whether you want to start making a positive environmental impact or just grow a beautiful garden, Lomi is perfect for you. Head to Lomi.com slash date dateline and use the promo code date dateline to get $50 off your Lomi. That's $50 off when you head to L-O-M-I.com slash date dateline and use promo code date dateline at checkout. Thank you, Lomi, for sponsoring this episode and for being a company that really cares about the environment. Get on the Lomi train and taste the rainbow, which is what I thought you were talking about was Skittles. (laughs) Choo-choo! Next stop, conservation. Thank you so much, Lomi. Thank you, Lomi. Thank you. Everyone check it out. Can you put Skittles in there? Yeah, I think so. Okay. You could put anything in but hard bones and pits and things. Bones? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, like chicken bones. We're watching a lot of Yellow Jackets. Let's just yeah. leave it there. All right. <laughs> Moving on. Summer is better with Bombas. Bombas That's makes Bombas. thoughtfully Bombas. designed clothes that make you feel effortlessly at ease. From breezy tagless tees to second skin soft underwear to perfectly cushioned sweat wicking socks. Bombas makes clothing designed for warmer weather. Whether you're out hiking on a trail walking Mm -hmm. around the park, or even in your own backyard wondering what a deer tick is and if you have one. Every (laughs) item is seamless, tagless, effortlessly soft. Bombas are the clothes that you never want to take off and you're excited to get dressed in the morning. I'm wearing one. I just looked down to check. Are you wearing wearing one now? now. (laughs) My underwear might be Bombas as well. (laughs) Let me take a moment to sing the praises of the glory and beauty of a no-show sock that doesn't slip. And Bombas's no-show socks are made with breathable yarns for a barely-there feel, silicone grips, contoured design to completely prevent slipping down or sliding around. I cannot tell you how many no-show slippy socks I have purchased from multiple off-brand designer lines, and every single one slips down into my shoes or flats every single time except my Bombas ones. They are my most precious socks. They are so precious that I clip them together when I wash them so they don't get lost because they're Mm. skinny and small and they could get tucked up in a sweatpant leg or something. I get scared. I could not bear to lose even one. They are my number one go-to summer sock and I implore you to try them right away if socks sliding down into your shoes is the bane of your existence in summer footwear like it is mine. And to make it even better, Bombas's 100% happiness guarantee means you're covered for life. Reach out anytime to their happiness team for easy returns, exchanges, replacements. And don't forget, we here at A Date with Dateline love a company with a cause. Socks, underwear, and t-shirts are the number one, two, and three most requested items in homeless shelters. That's why for every comfy item you purchase, Bombas donates another comfy item to someone in need. And so far, Bombas has donated over one million items. Each purchase you make adds to that impact. So what are you waiting for? Slide into bombas.com slash date dateline and use code date dateline for 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash date dateline. Use code date dateline at checkout. Bombas.com slash date dateline code date dateline. Slip into some Bombas this summer without slipping your sock under your heel into your shoe. It makes me crazy. Yeah, I could tell. And Bombas has solved my number one summer sock issue. I could not be more grateful to Bombas, 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 Bombas. Thank you, Bombas. I love that we align ourselves with such good companies. So Ricky's sister, Shaylin, became a hairdresser. And she's essentially doing it to become a spy. She realized hair, well, she also has a passion for hair. She realized people like to talk to their hairdressers. (gasps) She's. Sorry, did she call her salon hair e at the spy? Because if TM, oh. TM, we're done. That's good. Okay. Hair e at the spy. Genius. Yeah. She t- does Amy's hair, hoping to get Amy will slip up. She does all of the friends' hairs, all the blondies. No one slips up. She wants to hear something to protect her niece, mm. but she never gets anything. Ricky's parents are focusing on their granddaughter. They have her several times a week. They get to take her on vacation. So I guess they made up after the court thing because they do have partial time with her. But we never hear why. 
Yeah, I don't know why. Okay. They get to take her on vacation and they have to do all these exchanges with Amy. Amy will drop the baby off and they smile and they talk. They never talk about Ricky. They sit, never say, we know that you did it. They hold their tongues, which must have been the hardest thing in the world, especially to give her back each time yeah. to this woman that they think killed your son. So yeah. police are building a case and Jennifer Kellogg hears about it. She goes because this woman has balls. She goes to she's balls deep. She goes to oh. one of the detectives houses because her sister was dating his son. So she arranges a meeting to go to the detective's house to find out what he knows. Keith says, oh, my, which is his favorite. Yeah, she's fishing to see what they know or Keith thinks she might be trying to plant some false information to send them off in a wrong direction. And the detective says she was pretty sophisticated. And so she kind of knew what we were up to. So she I wouldn't surprise me. Keith says, needless to say, Jennifer didn't catch any fish. But this is years later. Why is she trying to figure? She hears they're building a case. Okay. She doesn't know that Billy wrote this letter, maybe, but she knows that they're on to her. But Jennifer had immunity because she testified in Billy's case. I'm so curious. they need all new info if they're going to convict her. Amy, however, didn't have immunity. And they knew that she had lied and told so many weird stories at Billy's trial. Yeah. Like Billy was never at the condo and Shailene had seen him at the condo. Yeah. Amy was at the Antelope Valley Fair flirting with a bunch of cowboys and laughing only 10 days after the murder. So they were super suspicious of her. Her friend Sarah, who was the only blonde that's not guilty, thought it was strange, but said, well, she's obviously going through something, so I didn't want to say anything. Why are you friends with her? I know you think she just lost her boyfriend, but why are you friends with this girl, Sarah? You seem better than them. So Yeah, a little bit. A Amy had nagged Ricky to come home and like, when are you going to get home? We're supposed to spend time together. Yeah. And then when he got home, she wasn't there. So that's suspicious. She had taken Sarah all around town driving to all these fast food joints and then brought Sarah home and sent her inside to find Ricky. Well, trying to says, send her upstairs. Keith says she used you. You were their useful fool. Keith. Keith. That's not nice. Sarah says, yes, they totally used me and scarred me for the rest of my life. Oh, Yeah, it's sad. So police knew that Amy and Jennifer had told Shaylin to stay away that night. So they felt like for sure both of them are involved. Ricky's parents asked the police, if you're arresting Amy, just do it when we have the baby because we don't want to see her get her mom, see her mom arrested. Because the baby's like a toddler at this point. Yeah, they don't want to discard the baby. And the then toddler. they do arrest Amy and Jennifer. It's very exciting. But then Ricky's parents have to try to get custody of the baby. So they have to go up against Amy's parents who also want custody. Amy's parents blame Ricky's parents. It's Georgia and Larry versus Debbie and Rick Sr. George Ultimate Smackdown for the, they for think the child. They're the reason Amy is getting arrested because they were pushing the police to do it. She's getting arrested because she murdered Because their son. she's guilty. Guilty. So Amy was, this is kind of hilarious, supposed to be married two weeks after she got arrested. And the parents are like, we're planning this wedding. And then suddenly she gets arrested. They are shocked by this whole thing. I. These parents have these parents concerned have, me since the beginning. 
they, they just really not know what's going on at all in the town in their daughter's life. I think they just believe everything that she says. Yeah. So Ricky's parents thankfully get temporary custody of the baby. And this is probably why you don't know Kaylee's name because they keep calling her the baby, I think. And it's and not a baby. It's a child toddler. at this point. Yeah. So Ricky's parents get temporary custody. Amy and Jennifer are in jail awaiting trial. But Billy's getting cold feet because he knows that in jail, snitches get stitches. Mm-hmm. He also is feeling ignored and disrespected because Go ahead. he's a kid still. Because And this, again, shows his strange like immaturity. He feels like the detectives aren't paying attention to him. They're not coming to visit him in prison. And he was helping them out. And they're not they're disrespecting him. They're not hanging out with him. What is his home life like that he needs like the he's looking for a father figure in one of these detectives? Yes. So the detective is like, we need him to help. Wait, no, you didn't do it. I'm shocked. What? I'm not going to be ignored, detective. I'm shocked. <laughs> I'm seriously, I'm bowled over that you didn't do it. <laughs> I'm trying to be better. Do so, it. So I'm going to save it for when it really deserves it. So the detective decides, okay, I better kiss up to Billy. So Billy will testify. So he goes and he hangs out with Billy a lot. He becomes Billy's best friend, father figure to Billy. Billy is very needy. And again, I think there's a lot going on with Billy that we don't know about. So they put Amy and Jennifer in the same jail cell for part of the time. And they have the jail cell wired because they're trying to get them to talk. Mm. But Jennifer is the street smart one. The detective said she was on to them and she was very sophisticated. She knows not to talk. Amy is blabbermouth, but she's like whispering to Jennifer. It's like murder ASMR. Yes. And... Billy, she's like, if Billy doesn't testify, they don't have a case against me. If he testifies, he's going to cross all my people's path one day or another. Because you can't be in PC'd up forever, bisque. So she's like saying he's in protective custody now, but he won't be forever. And if he testifies, he's going to cross one of my people. Who who are Amy's who people? Who are your people, Amy? Amy. Amy. At the McDonald's? Does, who are your people? Is Amy working at McDonald's? I don't remember. One of them was. So Shaylin. No, Ricky's sister. And she doesn't work there anymore. She's she's hairy, hairy at the spy now. Yeah, she's, she's using a whole bunch of potty mouth terms. And Jennifer's just not saying anything. You know, she's looking at Amy like, why are you talking? Shut it's up. Like, shut your mouth. Why did I hitch my criminal wagon to this idiot's star? 100%. And so she starts to say, essentially, she's saying, like, I'm going to put out a hit on Billy because he will run into my people. So he better not talk. And Keith says, but if Amy really did have people, they never got to Billy, which I thought was hilarious. Hmm. She doesn't have people. So oh, also, that was shade. That was fully shade. So 10 years after the murder, so much time has passed. Amy finally goes on trial. Billy is now ready to testify. He's ready to do the right thing, even though he's scared. Ricky's parents are there. And Billy says, I am most scared about saying this in front of them, what I have to say, because I feel like I'm re-victimizing them all over again. And I feel really badly about that. So the woman mm. who he carpooled with when he confessed the Kmart, testifies. Kmart carpooler. Kmart carpooler. Also good for him carpooling. Maybe he wants a Lomi because he seems to be into the environment. 
An old friend testifies that Jen and Amy were at Billy's apartment and saw the photo that they showed him of Ricky. This friend saw the whole exchange, basically. Mm -hmm. Shaylin testifies that she saw Billy at Ricky's condo. Sarah testifies how Amy drove around with her that whole night and then sent her upstairs to find him. Uh Then we meet Amy's defense attorney, who is wearing such an interesting outfit. And maybe I'll talk about it in Fashion Police. But she says... Amy was only 16 and pregnant. There was no life insurance. She had no reason to do this because even though Ricky had told his mom, Amy really wants this life insurance. And the mom said, yeah, get just tell her we got it. It's fine. She never actually got the life insurance. And also the judge says that this is hearsay. So he doesn't allow it. So the jury never gets to hear about this life insurance, which is very frustrating because Ricky can't testify for himself, obviously, about the life insurance. But it fully is unless you have like him reaching out to life insurance companies or something like that. He's just going to his mom. And so it just went to his mom. There's no way. Yeah, there's no way they're going to allow that. Yeah. The defense attorney says, Billy, we can't believe Billy is inconsistent. He at first said he was innocent and then he said he did it. Okay, so he flipped once, and most killers do say they're innocent at the beginning. That's not uncommon. Correct. They most don't usually say that they did it. They don't. A lot of times they just stick with that. Yeah. Yeah. So the reason she put this unofficial hit out on Billy is because she was scared. She has a child now. She was scared to be taken away from her daughter. That's why she threatened Billy's life. I. She's literally making an excuse for a hit. Wow. Okay. Then we learned that they had had a mental health professional diagnose her with some sort of mental health disorder or trauma from finding Billy's body. Okay. So she's not in her right state anyways. The okay. jury deliberates for 13 days, which is so long. That's crazy long. Why? Finally, Amy is found guilty. She gets life without parole which would be considered L-WAP. L-WAP. Yeah. And they let Jennifer plead guilty, and she gets 17 years. So she gets a bit less time, a lot less time. Ricky's parents are glad about Amy's sentence, but Shaylin, Ricky's sister, feels guilty. She was friends with the girls. She didn't protect her brother. The parents feel badly and say, we don't tell her anything that would make her feel guilty we tell her she's not guilty and keith says of course not and he's such an engaging he's an engaged listener and engaged he's really good with the parents i just wanted to point that out he is so ricky's parents get a chance to talk to billy in prison he was scared to talk with them and shaylin right the sister goes too doesn't she? and the sister and they are all scared and nervous to talk to each other He was worried they were going to be mad at him. And they were at some points. And Shaylin says, why did you do it? Did someone make you do it? And he says, I wish I could give you a better answer, but I just wanted to do it. And Shaylin said it felt like the truth. The mom, Debbie, gives him a hand-sewn cross. And he thought it was a gift. She kind of says he was really grateful for the gift. But she kind of gave it to him as a like, I hope it reminds you of what you've done. But... Either way, they both feel better after the meeting. Good. It gave Shaylin a lot of closure and she feels less guilty, even though they got no rational answer that it still made them feel better. But the answer that she needed was 
this was going to go through with or without you. Like we were going to find a different way to do this. Do you know what I'm saying? There's nothing really she could have done here. Good point. Billy is ready to serve his life sentence, but here's where we get a bigger twist. Yes. Things are changing. So while the 90s were very tough on crime, three strikes you're out in California. Right. The thinking was changing about the teenage brain and how something we have said many times on this show. I know I've said it. We have discussed this. I say it all the time. You say it a lot. Frontal lobes are not fully developed until age 26. I thought it was 25. Apparently, it's 26. There's a professor that we meet who works for the USC School of Law, and she conducts the Post-Conviction Justice Project. Mm -hmm. And she says... Children and teens don't understand risks and consequences. They act recklessly. They're super susceptible to peer pressure. So across many states in the country, including California, where this happened, there's new rulings that are giving parole hearings, not a release automatically, but just a parole hearing to prisoners that were convicted before the age of 26. Mm Mm-hmm. Because the thinking is they were in a totally different state of mind, that they did not fully comprehend the consequences of their actions. They were more apt to take risks. They don't understand, like, real life consequences, peer pressure, all of that. So in 2008, Billy gets a hearing to make his case that he was a new person with a new adult brain that understood what he had done. He was a model prisoner throughout the years. But strangely, at this hearing, Ricky's parents aren't there. The detectives from the case weren't there. The prosecutor from the original case weren't there. And it turns out they weren't informed. I was like, yeah, someone didn't send an email. It's shocking. They're supposed to be able to speak at hearings. Yes. But they... It's bananas. But anyways, Billy gets released. They decide, the parole board decides to release him. He's done enough time and he's a changed person. So he is released and they aren't told that he's released. So one day it's their anniversary, Ricky's parents, they get a call from the detective who says, I just found out Billy has been out for a year. That's shocking. That would be the biggest gut punch in the world as a parent. I can't even imagine. Yeah, that's awful. And Keith says to Billy, you know, a lot of people will watch this at home and they'll say, what the hell is he doing out here free talking to this guy? (laughs) And I was like, don't call yourself this this guy. guy. You're Keith mother effing Morrison. You we know your name. So Billy says, no one has said that to my face, but I think it to myself all the time. Mm. I say it to myself and I really try to put myself in their position and empathize why they feel that way about me. And so Ricky's parents are, to say the least, royally ticked. He's getting to do the things that Ricky will never do. Billy gets married to a woman who wrote to him in prison, full on love after lockup style. He works for the Human Rights Watch in the Children's Rights Division. He seems like he's really dedicated his life to seems doing like he's good trying. Things. He's trying. Jennifer was released in 2019, but not for long. She went back for a DV charge because she's a super classy lady. That Jennifer Kellogg. Mm-hmm. She is out now, though, so I don't want to say much more about her. Correct. A little scared. Correct. Now, no surprise, Amy wants out. Her lawyer, with the interesting fashion, says 
if the person who did the murder is out, why wouldn't she get to be out? Yeah, I understand her logic. I do understand her logic. However, Amy is not a model prisoner like Billy was. She was convicted for drug possession in 2016 in prison. So that's one factor when the parole, if she gets a parole hearing, that is one factor. Remember when I did outside research on this case last time? They uh-huh. found all sorts of bad stuff about those girls. Very in bad stuff about what she had been up to in jail. Uh-huh. Yeah, she's not going to get paroled. Yeah, I can't. I don't remember what the stuff was, but I there remember was quite a few infractions. Yes, that's right. So Ricky's parents and Shaylin know about what's happening this time. So they are going to go to every hearing, even though it's painful. It's a long drive. Yeah. It makes them relive the whole trauma, but they're going to do it. They were able to meet with Amy v- by video chat. And they got to ask her, why did you do this? And apparently the answer she said in an utterly banal way, Keith says, it was because they had been fighting, which makes me wonder. So did she admit it now? Is she admitting that she did have some part of it? Or is she just saying she was mad because they were fighting? I don't quite understand because she never really admitted she had anything to do with it. But I think you have to admit it. I think she's probably now past all of her her appeals, appeals and if for you go innocence. in front of a board right. they want you, have you to, to say ad- you you have to have remorse it. right but that's not great we were fighting is not we going to get you paroled so there is a memorial for ricky at the edwards air force base where he worked with his dad and we see the dad go there and it's very sweet they felt some closure talking to amy even though they got a dumb answer <laughs> so yeah. they're getting some good closure all over the place but this is still horrendous who is not horrendous, our listeners and especially our supporters, Lindsay T. from Patreon and Leah M. from Supercast. I tried to pick the listeners with the most teen girl sounding names because Lindsay I want and to Leah. not be traumatized. Lindsay and Leah. Lindsay and Leah could be mean girls, but they are probably not because they support our show. So they're like, what's the opposite? They can also just be cool girls that are on the swim team. Cool girls on the swim team. Like one does breaststroke. And one does backstroke. Relay together. Yeah. And they're Lindsay, just really Leah. good friends and you always see them together. L and L instead of K and K, they're L and L. Yeah. I think you ladies have restored my faith in teen girls, even though I think both of you are probably grown up ladies. Um, frontal lobes and all of that. Yeah. Oh, are we going to say what our thoughts are on the frontal lobes? Yes. After we tell Lindsay and Leah, thank you so much for supporting this podcast. We love you. We love your frontal lobes. Yes. We Lindsay, love everything about you. Lindsay, Leah, their lobes. Lindsay and Leah. And Lisa Loeb. Best friends. Thank you, ladies. They could be in a band with Lisa Loeb. Lin- yeah. Lindsay, Leah, and Lisa Loeb. And you say, <laughs> stay listening to our podcast. Thank you, ladies. Thank you. So. Uh, Feelings on frontal lobes. Frontal lobe feeling time. This is a hard look. This is hard because I intellectually understand. But what I tried to do when I was listening to this, because you hear Billy talk and stuff and you're like, well, he seems like he's a productive member and all of these things. But if it was you. Right. If you were Ricky. Right. I would be very angry. Right. I totally get that. The problem is with that, which I do totally agree with what you're saying, is that the prison system is not rehabilitative at all. It is merely punitive and it turns people into hardened criminals if they aren't when they go in. So if someone goes in as a scared kid, 19, 
20 years later, he's coming out. He could be. I'm not saying all criminals. There are some amazing criminals who have been in for decades. But like he is turning into someone very different. But he did murder someone. He took someone's life. He took someone's life. So he should definitely do the time. I don't know what the gray area is between life without parole and it's it because if he gets out at 40, right. he still can live, you know, a full you life. You can still do that job you're doing right now. Right. You can still do all of that stuff. But I'm thinking more about the Canadian system where they do have these work releases and things like that. Yes. Where you are sort of gradually where it's a process instead mm -hmm. of this just. Unfortunately, our prison system, we don't have the money for I that. Know. They just want to kick people out because of overcrowding. It's But if I was on the parole board, I would feel badly sending this guy back to prison. I would not. I would assume because no one showed up that something had gone wrong in the communication. I don't think this decision should have been. I don't think this decision should be allowed to be made without someone yeah, from I'm the victim's family. I'm surprised he wasn't sent back for another hearing because they weren't allowed to speak because they didn't know about it i think they they should have to or have to sign something that says i decline to show they just tried to put adnan back in prison I because know. they were some hearing that Heyman lee's brother couldn't attend or mm -hmm. something so it's and they have the right to speak so it's very interesting i um, think there should be a process in place that makes that have to happen if it needs oh, to happen sure. yeah well, that's ridiculous that they weren't there and didn't know about it i would not be surprised if there was some sort of lawsuit yeah because that's yeah, mm, yeah. it's rough and i think this is going to be a hard one too because a lot of people are going to come at the frontal lobe conversation now there's a particularly heinous murder i believe it just finished in this country with a teenager and another teenager and he did some pretty horrific thing so I guess you could make the frontal lobe argument, but it doesn't seem like it works in every case. So then it becomes real subjective, real fast, right? Right, because I do believe the frontal lobe thing. I totally believe the science there, but I also believe there are bad seeds and they're just evil people. Yeah, just like the demon, yeah. I think there are evil people. I do, And I then think, there's yeah. also people whose frontal lobe has not been and are misguided and misled. And how do you tell the difference? That's what we need mental health professionals to decide. It's not for me to decide. So then as far as it goes for Billy, it becomes, was justice served then? Where do we, what are we doing here? So right. it, this is a delicate issue. Well, I can yeah. see why Deborah and Rick Sr. have a lot of problems with this. And all of our listeners are probably going to be split on it too. Please do not debate in the comments. No, it's fine. If you're polite. You can politely debate, but this is just going to be hard. And again, none of us are the victim's family. Totally. And none of us are his family. By the same token, no victim's family is ever going to want anyone to be released early. No, we've seen, all. we've seen forgiveness. We've seen forgiveness, but usually they're not like, yeah, let him out. No. No, ma'am. But I'm saying no time is usually ever enough for victim's families. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What do you have for B-roll, Bonanza? Did you have anything? The sister standing on a bridge, looking out, ants crawling in the dirt. Oh, yeah. The ant footage at the beginning was... Why was there ant footage? Um, Antelope Valley. Oh, there Just we go. Just kidding. I don't know. That's not true. <laughs> Driving around footage from out the window, like the camera was in the passenger seat and they were cruising with the window down. Yeah. And Ricky's parents walking hand in hand by a lake. For a long nice. time. 
They yeah. sh- they show that B-roll about seven times of them yeah, walking true. by. I don't know where the lake is because that's certainly not in Lancaster. Mm-hmm. It's a desert. So I don't know. There seems to be a boat. It could be a man-made lake. Yeah, maybe. Like Secrets in Silver Lakes. Maybe. Do you have anything else? Yeah. We do get a Folgers moment. Mama Debbie drinking coffee. We get driving B-roll with Detective Brandenburg. He's driving. He also, he's also working at his desk. We do get brain scans footage, which I thought was mm. interesting. That was a good mm-hmm. one. I thought you would like that. And then mm-hmm. we do get newly freed Billy walking and on his laptop in a very sparse apartment. He just didn't have any stuff. And I was like, do you, why do you have... I would get some stuff. He learned to be a minimalist in prison. Yeah, he might live a very simple life. We also don't get yeah. to see his wife, which I... Yeah. I wanted to see the wife. Oh, we get helicopter footage as well. Also, how did she start writing him and why? I want to know more about that. What age was she when she started writing him? Well, Billy's not in question. No, I don't mean it in a creepy way. I'm just like, Is what she made her 60? start Is that- to write? Yeah, well, what, yeah, maybe. What made her start to write this 21-year-old murderer, you know? I have a feeling that this might be religion-based. Very, Where very you're possible. looking for people who are religious in prison yeah and maybe it started as one thing like a bible study and moved into something else mm-hmm. unsure brands unhappy being on dateline and are now associated with murder mac teens yeah and mac spice lip pencil there we go yeah fashion police the parents are in red did you notice that was that ricky's favorite color there we go maybe it was maybe red was his favorite color ricky seems yeah. like a such a nice guy I know. This is rough. He just had really bad taste in He did. And a good job. Sorry, I can't get over that. He just that like he's upward trajectory completely. Yeah. Yeah. But I would say the age thing is a little questionable. Antelope Valley. Yeah. High desert. It's hot. Yeah. I don't know. So we do at one point get another picture of Billy that he is not in his rolling hard t-shirt. He's just sitting somewhere and it's at the point that Keith says 19 trying to look cool. And it is a picture of Billy with a bowl cut. Was <laughs> that shade? Yeah. That says all you need to know. That was the missing piece, the bowl cut. And then he has Jesus hair in prison. Mm-hmm. He has that long, those long he did. locks. He, up, he had, Pro's hair. Yeah, he did. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. Okay. This defense attorney is... Oh, yes. Let's go. Yeah. So she's like 60-ish, and she's wearing this sweater with this weird squiggly pattern and a very sparkly scarf. I that, think it's a blouse with a bow. Okay. It looks like a scarf tied around her. It didn't go... But to me, it looked just like a full-on winter sparkly scarf. But there's this giant, what I thought was a bow, a big, what's it called? Like a large flower bow brooch that was black. And it looked like to me a clump of hair. And then I much later rewound to see that bow again. Is it feathers? And realized, she knows she's wearing a side pony. That is her hair. She's like 60-year-old lawyer this wearing a side a brooch. pony. This is my hair. This is my hair slash brooch. It looks like, you know, those sweaters where there's a big flower pin. Uh That's what I thought it was. But then I found out it actually was her hair. And I'm sure it was very nice hair. But I was just not expecting a side pony. 
That's all. Uh, the lawyer is not, it's not my favorite look on a lawyer of any age. RuPaul has a quote about side ponies. It's something yeah. about a side pony being all business. And I, I'm going <laughs> to look it up. It's something about you can accomplish anything with a good side pony tail. <laughs> Maybe so. Maybe she's doing something right. Although she did not get Amy off, so she did something not right there. Well, we don't know. And I know she's it's gonna, just her job. We don't know if she's going to get Amy out, right? We don't know. Yeah, she's probably still trying. She's not. No, probably not. Amy just Basically. got arrested for drug possession in prison in 2016. That's way too soon. Yeah. No, you're not. Nothing's happening there. Titles. Uh huh. I have one. What is it? What do you think it is? Well, mine is a second chance for Kaylee. Mine is a chance for baby. Name withheld. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. So if you've missed our first episode, Katie, you know we do the funny titles that are supposed to be like tongue in cheek. And Katie, in all seriousness, gives her title as a chance for Kaylee. And I died. Why was there a chance for Kaylee, though? Because she was living with the grandparents. She was living I with guess. Debbie. I she mean, was... we all want we want good things for this child, of course. That episode but... must have revolved a lot around that baby. I remember there being fights <laughs> about the baby. I remember I mean, the... the grandparents were fighting about the baby. Yeah. But since when do we do serious I titles? Know, but... It was like we haven't done the show Wait, for did... at that point four years. Where does the baby end up? Does it end up with Debbie? I think it's with Ricky's parents. Okay, and I think that's why the baby had a chance is because <laughs> Georgia and Larry. But that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't it's, matter. Why do we do? Since when do we do serious? I'm doing titles? a poor job of just trying to defend that we title till my dying breath. Done a serious title. It'll be my ever. last words. <laughs> it was good for Kaylee, and mine will be take the <laughs> lamb. <laughs> Uh, come so on, a good. second chance for Kaylee is pretty good. A second she's chance getting, for she, Kaylee is she's good. She's getting a second chance. Also, a chance for baby, brackets, name withheld, is also good. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Brackets, name withheld. Oh, my God. <laughs> is, and I also wrote down almost a serial killer because of Jennifer Kel Kellogg. Oh, so, yeah. Did you do that one last time? I don't know. I didn't I feel listen like to the you episode. might have. That's funny. I probably did. That's I'm great. not that original. No, it's really good. Well, I hope you all in enjoyed this trip down memory lane. And I sure uh, did. I remember Mean Girls me. very well. Yeah. Mean Girls. Yeah. So sad. So shocking what teenagers are capable of. But again, yeah. watch Yellow Jackets. <laughs> and you won't be surprised about anything. <gasps> but um, yeah. And join us. If you're not, join us on yeah. Sunday nights for our live stream, A Date with K&K &K on YouTube, where 6 p.m. on the Pacific Coast and 9 p.m. on the East Coast. Yeah, it's really fun. And follow us on social media because all that great stuff you would know about Charles, Cam, Pink Shade, Santa, maybe you'd know about all that already if you followed us on especially Instagram and Twitter. Yes. And Facebook. I've been better about Facebook. too. There we go. Yay. And just know be your best. Just a warning. Just watch out for teenagers. I mean, it's Katie's been warning us for years that they are everyone's worst nightmare. And this episode is proof. And I have specifically warned about boys. I'm now doing a gross. general. Yeah. Just teens. Yeah. Teens are maybe not to be trusted. Your teen's nope. probably fine. But probably. I would say don't even trust your own teen. Keep an eye out.
Yeah. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Let's go get dance a jig and do some L wop. Sorry, what is so, a wop though? What? Wop is a thing. Wop is a totally different thing. Did K Raj have a pager? K Raj was way later than pagers. <laughs> That's rude. I'm insulted. Did K Raj have a cell? K Raj was nowhere near nineteen ninety seven. No. I don't know what time K Raj was. K Raj had all of the things. K Raj was not young. K-Raj was old and trying to be cool. I was still trying to be cool when I was old, too.